KC, are you there? I'm here. You're here? <laughs> <laughs> you made me on. You know, it's funny too, because when I when I play this back, like when we're when it's premiering and I'm watching it or listening to it, I always yawn when you do that. Fun fact, I fake yawned at first and then I made myself yawn <laughs> in the middle of my fake yawn. <laughs> Is that why it was so long? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, are we ready to get back to more story in the Bible? I am ready, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So, today we're kind of jumping out of sync, at least with how the Bible is structured, but we're still in chronological order. Yes. Because uh, if you guys don't know, we're doing the Daily Bible, which goes chronologically uh, through time. Uh, with the story of the Old Testament and, and the New Te- of the Bible in general. Yeah, and this actually dates us in time. Right. So, I mean, I didn't actually talk to you about that, but it gives us dates in time. Oh, yeah. I know. I've got the digital copy, and so sometimes I take a look. Okay. And so I, I, I think today we're in like 780 BC or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Sometime around then um, is when, we're, when we are in time right now. Right. So... Today is the story of Jonah. <gasps> yes. Yes. Y'all ready to get swallowed by a whale you, or fish, fish whale. That's it, a great fish. It's a, it's a big fish that's got a 15 foot penis. <laughs> well, it might be a fish because whales have a 10 foot penis. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. So if you guys are ready for the tale of Jonah, which... I don't know if you guys have recently read the tale of Jonah, but it's pretty fucked up. Okay. Yeah, right. it's a little. Yeah, it's a it little. is. Okay, so Jonah receives a booty call from Nineveh, but is actually a one night stand that got pregnant. So what he does is he hops the first ferry out of that place in Joppa. God sees Jonah reneging on this one nighter who he got pregnant, and so he transforms in, into Poseidon and fucks with the ferry. And that's like fairy is in a boat that, you know, not like he doesn't fuck a fairy. Anyways, um, I've been watching True Blood. Um, yeah, when he says fairy, he's not using a pejorative. No, no. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm thinking like literal like things. And yeah, there you go. So everyone on the boat was scared shitless and Jonah decides to go and take a nap down in the bottom of the ship. I mean, storms are rocking. Don't come a knocking. Or something. Anyways, the uh, the boys on the ship decide to draw straws uh, as a way to place blame on whoever draws the shortest straw. Since Jonah wasn't there, he obviously gets the la- the the shortest straw uh, by default. So since Jonah was the one that is the problem um, that caused the shit storm, they interrogated him, much like Jack Bauer does. In the midst of their interrogation with lights shining on Jonah in the bottom of the ship, um, he revealed that uh, apparently he was supposed to go to Nineveh to take care of this one night stand that he had. And uh, he reneged on that and caused God to get all pissed off. So they tossed his ass overboard. Then a giant fish swallows Jonah, where he then stayed for three days and three nights while he sucked God's dick. Well, you see, the fish was a really big bigot and didn't like the Hebrew being inside him. So he vomited him out. And God told his ass to get him to to get it to Nineveh. Jonah gets drunk on the way there 
and then drunkenly runs around the streets <laughs> proclaiming that God is going to destroy all of them in 40 days. I'm guessing that this is a way to get out of the whole baby mama situation. Um, but upon hearing this, the entire city shits themselves. They strip naked and then dress in potato bags because they didn't have any other clothes. They shit their other clothes. God then gets aroused over all this, and so he decides not to shit fire on them from heaven. Jonah was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> he had a perfect plan for getting out of this whole one-night stand pregnancy thing, and then God has to go and fuck it up. So Jonah tries this whole dramatic thing, and for some reason he decides that his life is worthless now. I'm guessing it's because he's got to take care of a kid for the rest of his life, or at least 18 years. I don't know what it is for Hebrews. Um, <laughs> Jonah then went into hiding because he didn't want to take care of the kid, and he watched the city, I'm guessing, to see if the baby mama left. Um it, basically, he was creepily hiding in the bushes outside the city. Uh, God then grew a garden for Jonah, but then God also took the garden away from him because fuck Jonah. It was it was like a punking kind of thing. Anyways, now Jonah wants to die again for the same reasons. God gets pissed because Jonah cares not for the dumbasses in the city. I don't know how that got brought up, but apparently they're all dumbasses in the city. And then meanwhile in Israel, uh, Israel takes Judah because they lost it in a trivia night at the local tabernacle. <laughs> the end. That was so ridiculous. <laughs> I like how you're laughing and then you go serious. Like, it's ridiculous. That was so ridiculous. But correct. No. Oh, no. There was no one night stand or pregnancy or bingo night or trivia night. Did he at least go to Maury? No. To get a, to get a baby N test? No. There's no baby. Can you imagine Maury at that time talking to the crowd being like, and the survey says, you're the father. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fuck. And then he runs out. <laughs> You know, hides it in wherever the fuck he hid. Anyways. Yeah. I will be the greatest president that God ever created. What's up, heathens? How, How y'all doing? doing? So you guys ready for uh, getting corrected on Bible stuff? Because I'm definitely I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm ready. You, you got your notes handy. I mean, I don't need notes. I have the Bible. Oh, you've got the Bible, the mm -hmm. thing that Trump practices every single day of his mm -hmm. presidency. Right. Did you know that he was chosen by God? I I have heard that he is the chosen one. I had He's heard that. Neo. I had heard something similar. Not Neo, but Jesus. I've heard that. Mm, he's also a king. I've so. also heard that. It's not just four years of Trump. It'll be an eternity. <sighs> that just... Just saying that? You just saying that caused me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. So we're starting we're, off with Jonah. Yeah, today we're going to... Well, not... St we're doing the whole book of Jonah today. Right. Okay, so it's only four chapters, right? I think four chapters yes. in the book of Jonah. Four chapters. So we're going to do the whole book of Jonah today. It's really not that long. Yeah, so also there's a lot of connections with Jesus 
in, yes. the, in the Jonah story. Yes. And I'm going to be providing that commentary. Uh, and so I will, um, I'll, I'll, you know, try to try to mention those as they come up. Okay, perfect. Um, so we're just going to jump right in here. Jonah chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of, uh, fuck, I forgot to look up this name. Um, Amitai, 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 Amity. Amy. Amity. Amidity. Amidity. Amitati. I like that one better. Amitati. It's not it. That's not how you say it. I don't remember. Anyway, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Oh, this is crazy. So it starts off with a signature uh, phrase that indicates a visit from Jesus. Oh, does it? Yeah. The very first part there, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Mm hmm. The, generally, when it talks about the word of the Lord coming to Jonah in this fashion, it's talking about Jesus visiting, like the angel of the Lord visiting because he is the word of God. Right. Instead of listening, right, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, which Tarshish is an ancient city that is in uh, which is now modern day uh, southern Spain. I mean, that name sounds painful to even say Tarshish. <laughs> but just imagine Jonah gets like a visit from Jesus. And then oh. he's like, oh, you got to go to Tarshish. And or you got to go to Nineveh. And he's like, fuck, no, I'm running away to Tarshish. And then he runs away and he's got his fingers in his ear and he's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> I'm going to Tarshish. It's in Southern Spain. <laughs> That's where Jonah wants to go. That's where he's running away to. Um, so he went down to Joppa, which is a port in West Israel on the Mediterranean, which it's now part of Tel Aviv. So he goes there instead of going to um, Nineveh. And Nineveh is what is in modern day Iraq. So, I mean, I'd rather go to South Spain than right. Iraq, right? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, so he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And by, oh, sorry, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. May, maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Okay, so... Now, this particular portion right here, there's a lot of connection with Jesus uh, in the New Testament stuff, uh, Mark and specifically Mark and Matthew. OK, mm -hmm. so this part, particular part right here where the captain comes to him and, and tells him these things is used for a couple of situations in the New Testament, namely uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, whatever. Uh -huh. Um when the captain comes and tells Jonah, you know, get up, pray to your God that you won't perish, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's the, the, the whole prayer type thing, which I think is uh, the prayer 
thing comes here in a minute. But that right there is uh, the similar to the prayer that's told in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay. With, with the exception, just the fact that he prays to God uh-huh. is is what's similar here. Um, but the uh, part where um, where he's like, are you sleeping? Get up and pray to God or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the, the get up part is the exact same like verbiage and everything like that that is used when Jesus gets done praying and he goes to the disciples and he's like, are you sleeping? Get up. Mm-hmm. It, they are deeply coupled together through a, a verbiage that's used mm-hmm. and that's how you can connect them together. We know it's um, interesting because Christian apologists and um, they they use this they 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 see and teach a lot of connections between Jesus and Jonah also. Uh-huh. So this is not just like a you thing, <laughs> right? This is actually taught in Christian scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we're about to get more into the water bit, but if you guys don't know, Jesus is a water bender. He can control water. <laughs> and we know that he's a waterbender through Psalm 106. Okay. That is, uh, uh, that's where it's, it's kind of given, um, well, well, Psalm 106 and 107, 25 through 30. Mm-hmm. It gives us an indication as to God's control over water. Mm-hmm. And so we'll talk more about that here in a minute. Well, and Jesus also walks on water and calms it in a storm. Yes. There is actually a Buddhist uh, portion of that that's very interesting. Okay. And we'll get to there in a minute. So let's go back to where we actually are in the story here. Right. So it says, come let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. If any of you don't know, casting lots is a way to randomly, without bias, figure out or select a person, basically. It's it's a like drawing straws, straws. or rolling a dice. Rolling a dice. Okay. <laughs> rolling a what? Rolling a die, like rolling dice. I know. <laughs> um, so, or drawing straws. It's a completely random way to select a person. Okay, so they're doing this, I guess, assuming that some sort of magical power is going to make sure that the person responsible for the storm gets the short straw, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> surprisingly enough to everyone, the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> So the sailors, um, let's just go ahead and uh, instead of summarizing, I'll just read it to you. So they asked him, tell us who was responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? So they're, you know, they're kind of all on top of him. Like, why, why is this happening? They want to know why it's happening to them. Uh So he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who is made this, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Uh, The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out for, to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, O oh Lord, have done... Uh, 
for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Which is This is super interesting because just a few minutes ago when we were talking, it was all of the sailors on the ship, all of the people on the ship were praying to their own gods. And so this basically made them all recognize and pray to the Yahweh God and make sacrifices to him and make pl- pledges and vows to him. And ba- essentially, it doesn't say this, but it implies that they dismissed their belief in all other gods. Well, that's very astute observation there, honey, because Jonah is seen as a prefigure of Jesus. Okay. Uh, so I want to fast forward a little bit in the Bible to Mark 4, 37 through 41. Okay. And the... You remember when Jesus like calms the sea and walks on water and shit? Yeah. That is modeled off of Jonah here, as well as other sections of the Old Testament. But mm-hmm. uh, Jonah plays a pretty big part. So uh, here's Mark, <clears throat> starting at 437. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So it's very astute that you notice that because um, in the like original like Greek versions of like the Gospels, the verbiage here used to describe Jesus's calming of the sea uh-huh. is uh, nearly identical to how Jonah does it. And it's not exactly sure if, you know, whether or not Mark knows, like the author of Mark, right. knows that he's getting this information from Psalms and Jonah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not exactly said uh, specifically there, but if you go to Matthew twelve thirty nine, uh-huh. you know what we find? What? Matthew twelve thirty nine through 40. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given uh, it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of a huge fish, the so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, which is the fish is going to come up here in a second. But the point is, is that um, Jonah is deeply coupled with the concept of the miracles of Jesus. Yes. Calming of the seas and the walking on the water. Um, for the walking... And, and the resurrection. Well, the, yes, the resurrection with the three days and three nights. Um, the walking on the water bit, which I'm bringing all this up now because we're kind of at this point uh, with the calming of the seas and everything like that. Um, in the second century, there were Buddhist missionaries in Syria and Egypt that were talking about a certain story of a disciple of Buddha... Mm-hmm. Uh, or a follower of Buddha or whatnot that was needing to cross a river to get to Buddha mm-hmm. and he walks on water. So, yeah. So there's already myths about 
having that kind of control over water mm-hmm. as it's concerned with uh, their respective deity. Um, Job 9.8 and Psalm 106 also give us an indication as to Jesus's power over water. So um, th- this this whole power over water thing is, is just very relevant here with Jonah. Um, and then we're about to get into the fish. Yeah. So we are at the point where the men, okay, so the men threw him over and then sacrificed to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I call for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me for in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What have I vowed? I will make what I have vowed. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Right. So, of course, the fact that he does pray is um, is where the the Gethsemane, like the Garden of Gethsemane prayer, like that's why he goes and prays. Uh, But the gospel authors actually got the content of the prayer from different sections of the Old Testament, which we'll get to whenever we get to the New Testament. Um, But the whole three days and three nights in the belly of the fish Obviously, uh, you know, Matthew uh, definitely ties it, you know, to Jonah and the the prophet of Jonah. Mark doesn't necessarily know that he's getting that from Jonah or the Psalms, but uh, Matthew explicitly puts it in here that it's because of Jonah that we know that Jesus supposedly was, you know, in in the earth or whatnot, in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Well, it's funny because they use some similar language here, right? Okay, so the depths of the grave, right? It says he's in a grave, even though he's in the water. Um, it says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And here it talks about Jesus being in the heart of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about how his head is wrapped in seaweed. Jesus's head was wrapped Right. Mm-hmm. So like there's some interesting things that that you see um, in these. And it's not like a, a lot of people don't understand whenever you point out parallels. It's no one parallel makes it interesting. Like it could be a coincidence. But the fact that we have uh, similar, if not the exact same language in some portions several times in the same order and uh and all that that is what makes it even more probable that they use the old testament not to mention the fact that matthew directly says where he gets this information from yeah so okay so 
this was, let's see, he prayed to the Lord. Okay. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's because he was a bigot. (laughs) Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the me- proclaim to it the message I give you. See, I always envisioned Jesus coming up to him, being like, "Boy, get your ass up, go to fucking Nineveh, like I told you the first time." <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, after everything that happened, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit re- required three days. So this has been a, yeah, a visit required three days. So it's interesting because this has been actually a little bit of controversy in, in Christian circles because, or it, amongst other people too, because people are saying, why does it take three days for Nineveh? The archeological evidence for the city of Nineveh shows that it's only about eight square miles. Mm-hmm. So you definitely don't need three days right. to like go around Nineveh. The apologist argument is that the city of Nineveh isn't just a city. It's all surrounding areas. So like, but there's nothing there. It's in modern day Iraq, which is the middle of the fucking desert. <laughs> so like, anyway, um, it's, it was a city that existed. Mm-hmm. It was not very big. Right. Okay. So it took three days. Uh, On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Oh, that lovely number 40. So uh, just to explain a little bit here, basically at this point in time, whenever there was just like a long, ambiguous period of time. Yeah. They would say 40 days. Yes. Just like with uh, the reign of Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights it's just rained for a long time Yeah, and then the 40 years in the desert uh, that they roam for 40 years uh, just really long fucking time yeah <laughs> um, so when and when they say overturned he means destroyed just yeah. fucked up Clear. read that as he fucked it up yeah God was going to destroy the city okay so the Ninevites believed God they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. <laughs> I just, uh, still, I just imagine it, and it's, it's like, oh shit! He says that God's gonna, oh, God's gonna destroy us. All right, everybody, don't eat a thing. Change into your potato clothes. <laughs> well, one of the other interesting arguments about this is that where he comes from, uh, where where Jonah travels from to get to here. Um, they speak different languages. And so like Jonah speaks Hebrew or whatever, you know, like he's, he's from an area that's an Israel area and this is in Iraq. They speak different languages. So one of, one of the arguments that people have against this possibly being real in history is that there's no way that a person from this area could go, would go to that area and be able to convince an entire city of anything, um, especially given that they speak different languages. Well, now, yeah. could he have possibly known that language? Sure, I guess. I mean, maybe if he was a trader. I don't know. Because, I mean, I would I would assume that traders would be fluent in different languages. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, don't get, so. I, don't, I don't get the implication that Jonah is the traveling type. Well, I mean, he was going to go to Spain. 
right? So, um, when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. (laughs) Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not lay any man or beast, sorry, I can't even see, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Can you just imagine the cows and shit walking around in potato clothes? (laughs) Well, the cows don't have to wear clothes. (laughs) He said put the people. No, he said put the animals in the sackcloth. Oh, yeah. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Yeah. Yeah. So he dressed the cows and the chickens and everything. The goats. I mean, I, I, can you imagine how confused the goat would have been? Like, why the fuck am I wearing this? I was <laughs> rolling around in the mud three seconds ago. <laughs> um. So here's the deal. When God saw that they what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to live than to die. Wait, so... Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's better for me me to to die die. than to live. Yeah, Yeah. that's my bad. So, I mean, what is he talking about this whole slow to anger thing? I don't know. God gets pretty fucking angry quick, doesn't he? Yes, yes. I mean, he got really angry really quick when that one dude pulled out of his brother's wife, his dead brother's (laughs) wife, and came on the floor. He got really angry when that one guy tried to catch the ark from falling. Yeah, he gets super angry a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, not just that he gets angry a lot, he gets angry quick. yes. So I don't I don't understand this. The once uh, one of Aaron's sons used the wrong fucking fire for the incense. Poof, bitch, be dead. <laughs> and, <laughs> so it's just like I don't. This is a narrative that the Bible wants to construct that God is slow to anger and rich in kindness, and that is just not true. It is definitely not. There, true. That is not evidence in the Bible. Like there's there's not evidence for that in the Bible. So. Um, Jonah says, Jonah like has himself a little meltdown because he went all the way there and he's like, but you were going to fucking destroy the city. Now you're not going to destroy the city. I just fucking came here for nothing. Kill me now. Right. Um, and so the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? So Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then, <laughs> can, hold on. Can you just imagine him in like a makeshift sort of like shack, and he's got a lawn chair out there, just looking at the city of Nineveh, and on glaring his glaring at it, all pissed off. <laughs> and he's like drinking a beer just every day, he's just <laughs> sitting out there drinking a beer every single day, like just waiting for God to fuck that city up. <laughs> so then the Lord and. Remember, we're in what's modern day Iraq, right? right? It's 
hot there, right? So the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But, <laughs> Another dramatic moment. Yes. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do. He said, I'm angry enough to die. God. <laughs> have you ever been that angry? It's like, God damn it. I'm so fucking pissed off. I could die right now. Probably through an aneurysm, I guess. I, I don't know. But uh, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Okay, so I I don't know. I'm having trouble with this particular. I, I would call it a parable. This mm-hmm. this part of Jonah that's a parable here mm-hmm. because I understand the significance of the vine because it's like you know this thing just sort of started overnight and you didn't do anything to help it grow or anything like that and it withered away just as. I mean, this is similar to any kind of thing that like springs up really quick and it'll die really quick too. Like a social movement or somebody's faith, which I think is what it's trying to talk about. No, it's trying to talk about, it's trying to teach Jonah compassion. Like you had compassion for this vine that sprung up overnight and withered overnight. You know, it, you didn't do anything to help it grow, but it was there and you found comfort in it. Right. Mm-hmm. But you care nothing about this city of 120,000 uh, idiots, apparently, who can't tell their right <laughs> hand from their left hand. Um, so you don't care about 120,000 people and you want me to destroy them. You have no compassion for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, other than pointing out compassion, what is that the only point of this? Yes. So far as I can tell, that's the only point of it. Don't don't be a heartless some bitch. Pretty Moral much. of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's all for the book of Jonah. But we have a little bit more, just a little. Um, and it this is gonna take us back into our story of Israel and Judah that we have going on with the kings and whatever. So last time if you recall, and I have to go back to, um, let's see, last time um, we have Amaziah setting up idols, Judah, uh, and Amaziah is the king of Judah, well, was, um, he and Israel got into a fight, right? Him and a Jehoash, mm-hmm. um, they fought and faced each other and Israel won, right? Jehoash dies and... And Jeroboam II, who is a son of Jehoash, becomes king. Jerry Jr. Jerry Jr. He becomes king, does evil in the eyes of the Lord, doesn't correct what his family has fucked up this whole damn time. Um, So that's where we ended last time. So we're going back to Israel now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And keep in mind, Israel just beat Judah in... With a baseball bat. in, In a battle, 
So probably baseball bats. What they're going to do is they're going to restore Israel into one. We're not going to have it split anymore. Right. Supposedly. Yeah. Okay. So the Lord provided a deliverer for Israel. Oh, so I'm so sorry. We're, we're, we're in King, uh, second Kings chapter 13 and we're going to do verses, uh, uh, Chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, and then also chapter 14, 25 and 27. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Lord provided a deliverer, a deliverer for Israel, and they escaped from the power of Aram. So the Israelites lived in their own homes as they had before. He, talking about Jeroboam II, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Sea of Ar- Arabah in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah the prophet from Gath Hefer. The Lord had seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free was suffering. There was no one to help them. And since the Lord had not said he would, the Lord had said he would not blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. He saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash. But they did not turn away from sin in the house of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. They continued in them, also, the Asherah pole remained standing in Samaria. So that's actually all for today. I know it's kind of a weird, <laughs> it's kind of a weird place to stop, but that's where the book has a stopping well, so, for now. So Jonah ended with a lesson on compassion. Yes, like you should be compassionate for a bunch of dumb fucks in a city and not a shade grown by a vine no he was saying you you have compassion for this vine but you don't have compassion for these people but you see i i, I don't know maybe i'm just like <laughs> morally behind or something because i would just be like i would look at i would look at i guess it's jesus it's talking to him. i look at jesus and look at the city look at jesus yeah <laughs> the vine was doing something for me <laughs> well i mean because it's like you care why can't you like i know that jonah was wanting that place to be destroyed and i don't know why he well, was wanting it. i don't think he necessarily wanted the place to be destroyed what he wanted was to stay the fuck at home and he was pissed because he went all the way there to warn them and didn't get to watch it like the city didn't end up getting destroyed Right. But the point of him going was to warn them. Mm-hmm. And they saw the error of their ways and repented. And it was the city was saved and all of those 120,000 people were saved. And Jonah, I guess, was mad because he just assumed that he would go and, and in 40 days he would watch the city get destroyed. But that's not what happened. And so he, I guess God is trying to teach him like, compassion for these people like you made this journey and saved all these people these people ended up being saved well you know i can i can totally understand how this is seen as a prefigure of jesus because uh you know originally as far as mark goes like the earliest interpretation of this jesus christ figure Mm -hmm. uh he makes a journey basically from the highest levels of heaven right Mm -hmm. and he supposedly comes to earth and he takes on a human form uh, at the baptism of the human version of Jesus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he delivers a message to the Israelites or the, the Jews, I mm-hmm. guess. And, um, you know, he he provides them with salvation. He saves them. Mm-hmm. And then he returns to his life, I guess. But 
uh, he like he returns to heaven. But I, I, I see how this is a prefigure. I also see how this would play into the the general themes that we see with Jesus, because generally with Jesus, he is better, bigger, stronger of a prophet than all of the other previous prophets. Sure. Right. So Jesus would already understand the compassion. He would already uh, like like know you, you know, to, to be compassionate for, you know, all those people and everything like that. Like he, he would be a better prophet than Jonah was. And that's exactly what we see when we compare the two figures. Right. So next week, well, next episode, we are going to actually be going through the book of Hosea. Hosea. Mm-hmm. Let's see how much of this is. Oh, there we go. Okay, so um, we're gonna st- we're gonna go through the first three chapters of Hosea. It looks like um, next time, and so it's we're gonna get the story of Hosea and talk about his family, the hope for the future. Um, there's gonna be a lot of um, like I don't know declarations by the Lord, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about anger against his wife. Um, we're going to talk about forgiveness and acceptance um, and Israel's redemption a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Can't wait for that. So anyway, that's what we're doing next time. Okay. And that was the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah. I hope done, that you guys done. are, yeah, I hope you guys are in, uh, better informed about Jonah now that you know the entire story. Obviously, I got whatever kind of parable that was supposed to be there at the end wrong because <laughs> it was about compassion and not about like faith and shit. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't really about faith. I mean, obviously the people who were being re- redeemed, right. They were, they were repenting. Um, they were turning to God and stopping their evil ways in this city. I think that one of the important bits of that is that, you know, Jonah had faith in God and that faith in God convinced people. Well, I mean, he told them what the message was. Well, right. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, he had to have faith in God in order for that. Well, sure. I mean, you know, God kept him alive in the belly of a fish, right? Yeah. Saved him from the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. He suckled on those God teats. Anyways, heathens, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, this little look into the Bible. If you did, please let us know down in the comments below. Don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens.